Evening. Are you still awake? <laughs> Who's excited about Kenya? I was nearly ready to sign up. He nearly had me, and then, and then he did that little last bit about goat's heads and stuff, and, and probably lost half of the room at that point in terms of those who were wanting to engage in some radical discipleship. Um, <clears throat> but we are actually talking a bit, a bit about that, as Holly's alluded to, walk on the wild side. Um, I hope you're up for some radical. I hope you're up for different tonight. I hope you're up for choosing different. As Holly said, we are in this book, um, the Bible, but also uh, shaped by some chapters from this book, Let Me Go There, by Paula Gooder. Uh, just out of interest, who's engaging in a meaningful way with Lent? Okay, keep your hands up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. There's no... I can't really see. You're not doing a very good job of putting your hands up. Not loads of you, not loads of you. Uh, well, uh, for those of you who are, uh, you might be getting the picture by now that Sundays are supposed to be feast days, not just the fast days. So if you, if you are fasting throughout the whole season, you'll find that you end up doing 46 days rather than 40. Lent means 40th, uh, so it's supposed to be 40 days. So if you are... If you're off chocolate, for, for instance, today should be the day you go and buy the biggest bar of Galaxy ever. If you, maybe you've chosen to fast TV, you shouldn't be here. You should be binge watching something on Netflix or Prime Video or whatever it is. Uh, maybe you've given up calling your mum over Lent. Well, maybe today's just that day. Pick up the phone, give her a call, break that fast. Um, not for me, mum. Not for me. Um, so... Yeah, we're looking, we're looking tonight at the wilderness. Turn to the person next to you and say, wilderness? What is the wilderness? What is the wilderness? Well, let's, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. It's a place where we can discover what it looks like to be different. To be different. What is the wilderness? Uh, it, there's so many different stories in the Bible where wilderness happens. We're going to cover a few of those. I'll mention some of them. Um, generally, uh, in the Bible, uh, people were either fled to, led to, or head to the wilderness. They either fled to, were led to, or they head to the wilderness. Uh, and maybe that's for, for some of us tonight. A wilderness being a, a barren place, maybe a dry place, maybe a hostile place. In the Bible, it's often a physical environment away from the hustle and bustle of the towns. I love this quote uh, from a guy whose name I've not, I can't remember, but it's going to be on the screen. Yeah, Thomas. I love Thomas. Um, the wilderness became a location outside of civilization where entire nations can live at risk with God in the borderland between civilization and chaos. That's something of the wilderness. It was this hostile environment where there's some level of risk. I wonder if you look at your relationship with God today, and I wonder if you would analyze it and say, it feels a bit risky. It feels like I'm in a risky place, and I really need God to show up. Maybe the circumstances of your life force you to be in that needy place, that place where you are at risk with God. You need him to show up on a daily basis. That was what the wilderness was. Dallas Willard, another quote, I remembered his name, uh, talks about how the wilderness is a place that can, be, that can shape us to, to live a different kind of life. He says this, we talk about leading a different kind of life, but we also have ready explanations for not being really different. 
And with those explanations, we've talked our way out of the very practices that alone would enable us to be citizens of another world. Part of the practices is actually choosing to move into a place of wilderness, choosing to move into something different, practices that put us in a place with God where we are at risk. In the Bible, um, as I say, people fled to, led to, or head to. There's a lady called Hagar in, in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah were promised a child. It wasn't happening, so they got a maidservant involved. Not going to say how, but she got pregnant. Um, and, and then Sarah got super jealous and treated Hagar badly. And Hagar, on two different occasions, flees to the wilderness. It was a place of real powerful encounter and there's a really good chapter all about that. Maybe you're in a situation like Hagar where actually the circumstances of your life, you're being ill-treated by the people around you. Your, uh, even your home life for Hagar was a place of conflict, was a place of testing. Maybe that's your wilderness at the moment. Led to, the Israelites were led from a place of slavery to the promise through the wilderness. The wilderness actually in that instance was a place where they, they learned to be fathered again. They'd been treated as slaves and God wanted to father them. Maybe your wilderness journey will be a place where you get to learn about God as father, where you get to be satisfied fully in him. It's also a place where people head to. And I love this modeled in Jesus' life. We're called, if you're a believer in Jesus tonight and you've accepted him into your heart, we're called to be followers of Jesus. If you're not, by the way, you are so welcome. Thank you for being at risk tonight and coming and checking us out, exploring faith. Maybe you've just been on the Alpha weekend. Welcome back to those of you who've been exploring the Holy Spirit this weekend. But we're called to follow Jesus. And he was one who regularly took himself off. He headed into the wilderness. He was led by the Holy Spirit. You're going to learn about that in a couple of weeks. But he's, he also chose regularly to remove himself from the hustle and bustle of society. Ian Adams, in his book, Cave Refectory Road, asks, where do you go when the tidal wave of stuff coming your way threatens to break on you and consume you? Where do you go when the mad accumulation of debris in your head begins to block all entry and exit points? I found that phrase and that description all too familiar. I was like, wow, I've been in those moments where just... Anything entering and exiting feels blocked. I feel like my, my, my head is fuzzy and I can't really concentrate. Where do you go? Well, the wilderness is one of those places. Sometimes it's a place we choose. Sometimes it's a place we flee. But it's a place where we can be connected with God. I chose a physical location uh, once I was living in Malawi for a, for a year. Uh, and I really wanted to... F I was trying to get my head around God and... Um, uh, we, we were in a situation where we were there for a year and we knew we were coming back to the UK and we didn't really know what we were coming back to. Well, we didn't. Um, and, and we were hearing reports, all of our friends that we'd left behind, they were all getting bigger houses, more children and all this kind of stuff. And we were like, God, what's going on? And I thought, well, I'll just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go and find God on a hill somewhere. So I went to this local mount, little hill called Bunda Mountain. Apparently it was, it was one that where some people would go to to pray outside of the town. So I was like, right, I'm going to go and do that and just separate myself with God and just, and just hear his voice. I'm telling you. So I took a little like a survival bag and just decided I was going to walk up. It's quite a walk up there. And I was going to spend the whole night on there and just until God 
met me until I got some connection with God. I was going to hear his voice. It was one of the loudest nights I've ever had. It was full of these Malawians who were just up all night interceding and praying. I literally had to put Hillsong in my headphones so I could concentrate on something other than just the noise of their praying. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't the, my perfect idea. Actually, they did go quiet between 3 and 5 in the morning, which was good. So I did get a little bit of sleep in the freezing cold. But it was a time when I chose to go to a place because I wanted to encounter God specifically. And I don't know what your day-to-day rhythms look like, what your day-to-day life looks like. But for many of us, it won't feel like the place where it's obvious and easy to encounter God where we can be shaped to be different. Why do we want to be different? Why would we want to be different? Well, I believe we're called to be different. I believe all the way through the Bible, God's people were called to stand out. He uses the word holy, to be a holy people, to be a different people. And as I look at the world around me, I I figure I want to set something of a God example in in a time and an age where godlessness is rife. I don't know whether you're excited or not at the fact that our prime minister is now engaged um, and expecting a baby. I kind of look at that picture and I'm going, wow, 25 years of marriage. This is his third. And I'm slightly saddened for him. It's It's not for me to judge his lifestyle and his choices, but I'm saddened that in the media there's not a whole lot of chat about this. In fact, I read this. Although divorce was considered scandalous in the 1950s when divorcee Anthony Eden led the country, the idea of a prime minister's partner has now changed in line with society's norms, says politics lecturer Dr. Alice, uh, Nicholas Allen. It's just the norm now, not really to take commitment seriously in relationships. I want to live different to that. I want to live differently, and yet I need to be connected with God, to be sharpened by God in a wilderness place often, either by choice or by encounter with him when life gets hard. Great, I would love it if you could, if you feel comfortable talking to the person next to you or having a little think on your own about what you understand the wilderness to be so far. You've got 35 seconds. Ten seconds. Great. Okay. So hopefully you've got a little bit of a grasp. And put your hand up if the person next to you has no idea what I'm talking about. Yep. Thank you. I thought that might be the case. 
Well, let's, uh, let's turn to the Bible. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at Isaiah 40 and then Ephesians 4. Isaiah 40. Isaiah was a prophet speaking to a, a whole bunch of um, people who had supposed, were supposed to have been living differently. They were supposed to have been standing out in their world and they'd made all sorts of compromise. They weren't distinctive, they were distracted. There were all sorts of compromise going on and, uh, and God used Isaiah to speak to them and say, hey, look, I'm gonna leave you to your own devices here. You, this, this is gonna be the consequences, all the decisions that you've made. Um, and it talks about exile. We've been, we've been studying that a bit if you've been with us for a, for a while and it goes bad. But at verse 40, there's some encouragement to the people uh, who have got waylaid and need to meet with God. From verse one, it says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That double comfort suggests a real emphasis of emotional strength on these words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The consequences, the punishment is complete. And then it says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. How? As the people here are called to proclaim God in the wilderness. In the wilderness, prepare for the way, the way of the Lord. There's an invitation in this, in this passage that is suggested that it's a choice. You can go into the wilderness and declare and prepare a way for me, prepare a way for me. And I, I wanna suggest to us tonight that there are choices that we can be make, making that prepare a way for God in our lives. There are choices that we can make to move out of, effectively what we're talking about tonight is comfort zone. We're talking about the life outside of our comfort zones. Tim has already mentioned that really helpfully. And God's saying in this passage, hey, if you could just move into the wilderness, I can, I can use you to, pre to prepare a way for my glory so that I can be revealed, so that stuff can happen, so that a way can be made through where it seems to be there's no way. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. So there's an invitation tonight for you to choose the wilderness, which might sound strange, to choose something that is risky, is more difficult. I, um, I had a situation on Thursday. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had something like, like this happen to you, but I left my mobile phone at home. It was a wilderness, I'm telling you. It was 
it was actually really refreshing. It was really refreshing. As you can imagine, I was trying to prep for this, and there were all sorts of distractions, dis disruptions. I work in an office with Nick Stott and Holly, so um, it's always complicated. But I didn't have my... <laughs> I didn't it's normally me doing the distractions, or just a, a moment of integrity. Um, I didn't have my phone, and there was this kind of escape from the distractions, and it's a small one. For some of you, that might, it might be even a bigger one, but I found myself, I couldn't contact the people I wanted to. I had to use other people's phones, thank you, Chloe, uh, it, for the more immediate moments. But there was a refreshing about, I wasn't, there wasn't access to me in the same way, and I couldn't access other people. There was something of distraction. I wonder what it would look like for you to choose not to have your phone with you for a day. I wonder what it would look like for you to choose to engage more meaningfully in Lent and say, do you know what, I'm gonna go without something. I'm gonna choose something unfamiliar. Where normally at the end of the day when I'm feeling a bit down or low or anxious about some relationships, normally I would go to some comfort eating and I'd get stuck in the snacks. Well, maybe I'm gonna choose that that's not gonna happen for 40 days and I'm gonna just again remind myself that my sufficiency is in God. My comfort comes from God. My life is rooted in God. The wilderness is a place where all other distractions and opportunities are taken from us or we choose to move away from them. Maybe it looks like going on a retreat for a couple of days, finding a place where you can just hide away. I don't know what your wilderness will look like, but this passage in Isaiah 40 talks about the glory of the Lord coming because of a choice to prepare the way for the Lord and to live distinctively. Uh, I spoke about the wilderness um, two years ago, um, uh, it, it, about winning in the wilderness. It was from a slightly different passage, but I'm going to go over the three points that I brought out of that uh, in terms of what God uses the wilderness for. And I just want to make it clear, God uses wilderness experiences. He doesn't always initiate them. There are certainly ones in the Bible that he does. But the wilderness or the, the hostile environment you're going through at the moment or the barren place you're going through at the moment, I'm not saying that God initiates it or that he orchestrated it, but I'm saying that God can use it. Does that make sense? That's important for you to understand. And I'm saying that you can meet the presence of God powerfully like Hagar did. Read that story in the wilderness at your end when you think you're just ready to die when your depression is so oppressive to you in those moments you can meet with God with his presence and these are three ways that God uses the wilderness to gain our attention to gain our attention again to draw us back to a God and a father who loves us to grow our affection maybe your affection has been distracted again you've 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 become more interested in the people around you or, the, or what they think of you. you. Your affections are elsewhere. Maybe you're just excited about a new car or a new project on your house. I don't know where your affections lie, but, the, but God uses wilderness places, those hostile environments, to remind you again what your first love was. And he also uses it to guard our aspirations. He uses the wilderness to guard our aspirations to make sure that the things that we desire are in line with his will as we connect with him in the wilderness. Okay. We're going to head to Ephesians 4 
uh, to find out what the, some advice on how to be wilderness people in the New Testament. And we're going to start from verse 17. Are you still there, everyone? Did it get boring? I haven't heard much from you for a while. Someone shout out something. No? Okay. All right. We'll just read the Bible. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Weren't Jews, the people in the, in the land at that time who didn't have faith in God. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to engage in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. I am pretty confident that there'll be people in this room and you actually feel like you've gone all Gentile on God. Actually, you feel like you've lost all that sensitivity. You find yourself just making choices without even having to be tempted particularly. You've just lost all sensitivity to the presence of God because of the choices that you're making. They've given themselves over to sensuality, to whatever feels good, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. They're just stuck in these cycles of brokenness. And he says from verse 20, that however is not the way of life you learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. There's a putting off. There's an action to do. There's something for you to do when it comes to salvation and grace that is a gift. But there's a putting off when it comes to sanctification, being made new in God. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Those desires that say, hey, this is going to be really good for you. And then you go for it and it already isn't good for you. And to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm suggesting to you that the wilderness place, moving away from the distractions of your day. Making space to be with God somewhere in your day or in your week or in your month or encountering God in the stretch and the challenge and the hostile environment that you're currently in. God can use that to heighten your sensitivity again so that you are sharpened to the things of God. You are sharpened to the language of the kingdom that will help you to be set apart so that we can be culture shapers in our nation rather than just consumers. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that, about us actually shaping our culture because we are distinct, we're different. And we're making choices to put God first. We're making choices to be in the wilderness. Okay, you've got another 35 seconds to talk to the person next to you about something that you sense God speaking to you about tonight. Or some, or some question that you've still, still got on this subject. Go for it.
Ten seconds. Boom. Great. I hope that was helpful. Put your hand up if you think the person next to you should be speaking rather than me. It was that good. <laughs> yeah, that. Fun. Great. Now put your hand up if you think you are more likely to engage in uh, some meaningful way with Len after the last 20 minutes. Ooh, great, I'll take that, I'll take that. Great. Good. Uh, there is so much power when we separate ourselves from, uh, from life. What I love about Jesus was he did this regularly. He had rhythms of, of doing this. Um, but he, was also, he, he also allowed himself to be interrupted by the mission that God had him on. So there were times when he was having such a, a tough time, when he found out that his cousin had been beheaded. Hopefully none of us have had to go through that. Um, I don't mean being beheaded, because none of us here have had to go through that. Um, but gone through a really tough time, and he tries to get away from the world. Uh, he tries to get away to be with his father, and something else gets him in, in and, and there's a need again, and he's ministering again. But he still, even after that distraction, he just determines he's going to go and be with his father. He's going to go and reset the clock and reorient himself, because he knows that otherwise his heart will become hardened. Maybe that can't happen with Jesus. But otherwise, if we don't make regular time to bring our hearts to God, I, 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 I use the kind of imagery of the magna doodle, if you were old enough to know what a magna doodle is, where you're kind of doing the little scribbles and then you shake it to, to make it clear again. Sometimes we get so caught up with stuff of life, just the day-to-day -day of life, that our hearts get mixed up and messed up. And we need to take our magna doodles to God and say, can you give me a fresh start, a blank slate? <clears throat> so that God can be shaping us and leading us. But I do just want to end with a bit of a caution. There's a story in, in the Bible where Jesus takes a whole bunch of his disciples, those learning to meet with the Father. He takes them up a mountain. And actually they have a powerful encounter with God up on a mountain, perhaps like we're about to have in our time of worship gathered here, or perhaps like you're used to having on Sundays some time set aside to encounter with God and they have an amazing time and Peter gets so caught up in this wilderness place this set apart place and he's like wow they, they have this powerful visitation thing the presence of God is really powerful and he says let's set up shelters let's set up three shelters and then we'll just we can just stay here meanwhile if you read the story and I forget whereabouts in the Bible it is I'm so sorry um, down at the bottom of the hill is a demon-possessed boy who is having fits and whose life is being robbed. Jesus didn't stay in that place, but he was strengthened from that place to be able to minister and rescue lives. So I wanna say, and you know this, there are people in your day-to-day -day life and down the bottom of the hill who need a powerful encounter with a God who loves them and can rescue them from the brokenness of their lives. But if we're only ever down the bottom of the hill and we don't remove ourselves, we're doing it in our own strength and we're not connected to a Father who loves us. So I really want us to get that balance. The, the wilderness is not an escape from the harsh realities of life. 
as a place we journey through with God and encounter him so that we can make a difference down the bottom of the hill. Is that okay? Are we excited about making a difference in people's lives? Yes, come on. Well, let's go head up the hill, shall we?